What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. This is your first time checking it out. Thanks for tuning into the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes and leaving a review. And that will help propel the podcast into the tops of the iTunes charts, making it more visible for strangers to find and uh, just giving it more visibility on a national and international basis. And uh, is a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing. And it's a free way to do so that only takes a couple minutes. I uh, appreciate the hell out of everybody that's already taken the time to do so. There's over 100 reviews up there. Another 100 would be amazing. And uh, there's also a Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel that you can check out and subscribe to, which features in-studio performances and live show performances from... uh, a bunch of bands around the Portland, Oregon area of all genres. So check that out and hit subscribe there, and then you will know when the newest videos hit the feed. And DanCablePresents.com is the central location to find everything. The new episode always hits there every Friday when it's available. And uh, you can hit me at DanCablePresents on Instagram, where I'm most active on social media is trying to Shout out local shows and whatnot. We've got episode 183 on the way for you here with a band called Close Talker out of Saskatoon, Canada. So fun to talk to Matt from Close Talker. Got him on the line and uh, we chatted it up about their new record and and how this uh, how this band got together. So very cool to connect with more Canadian bands up there had a few on the show now and uh definitely trying to keep spreading out the uh the artists that come from from all over if possible and been super grateful to have uh have a lot of national touring artists on the on the show recently last week with uh micah from o sleeper and uh tobias from soft kill of course on episode 181 so if you haven't heard those episodes and the one before that was with your smith who's a great songwriter out of los angeles so last few episodes um some bangers so if if this is your first time tuning in make sure you go back a few weeks and and check out some of those episodes as well but we will get into the close talker episode here momentarily uh for all you people that's tune into this thing weekly or fairly regularly you probably hear me bring up a space here in portland oregon that I do the booking and promoting for called the library, which uh, is in the basement of a bar here in Southeast Portland called Growler's Tap Room. And uh, it's been so much fun getting to book the music there. But unfortunately, uh, we suddenly found out the news just earlier this week that uh, with no notice, the spot is uh, is being closed down. So the bar is still there. 
And um, unfortunately, the landlord is just uh, is not interested in letting the owner of the space use the basement venue, the library, as a space for entertainment anymore. And uh, there's there's really no pushing back on it, and it's uh, it's a pretty big bummer. We had so much good feedback about this space, and and so many bands and artists I know around town were way into it and very appreciative of it. Just really one of the cooler small rooms here in Portland, Oregon, and the owner put a lot of money into uh, you know making sure we had a a killer sound system for it and. The manager, Ruby, like put a ton of time into designing that space and giving it the vibe that everybody was always so stoked about. So it's uh, it's a bummer to see people's hard work kind of be closed down upon. And uh, we're all kind of bumming on that. But I am super grateful for that opportunity and just want to thank Joe, the owner of Growlers, and, and Ruby for kind of giving me the keys to my first steady booking job at a venue. And I'm going to miss doing that, and I'm going to try to figure out how to maybe continue that elsewhere. And, uh, yeah, big thanks to my my buddy Ryan Amato, who was also the one who introduced me to all those people and told me I should go check out the space and that they needed somebody to uh, maybe book the music on the regular. So he was my, my connection on that, and... Uh, yeah, just shouts to the the whole staff over there, Growlers. Greg did sound most of the time, and he's a really good dude, and I know he's bummed about not having the music there, and one of my best friends, Trent, was working the door, and we just had, like, a really cool gang of people that was uh, a part of that space, so I feel extremely fortunate for the, the time that I did get to spend doing that and for the bands and the people that I met along the way of doing that and all the... All the people that came out to shows there just always seem to be really appreciative of the space, and I've just never gotten to be a part of something quite like that. So a legendary spot the library will be to uh, a lot of folks out here, and uh, sad to uh, see the doors being closed on that. So definitely burning one down and pouring tons out for, uh, for the library this week. And, uh, yeah, I'll keep you posted on on the next spot that I'm doing some booking for. And uh, that doesn't mean that the Dan Cable Presents events are going away. I've always kind of booked events at uh, various spots around town, so that will still happen. There will be an announcement for the Dan Cable Presents fourth annual holidays party here pretty soon. That will be coming at you, but... Uh, yeah, just wanted to give the library a little shout before we get into this episode. Um, once again, can't stress the importance of those iTunes reviews enough. They are very important to helping this show grow and uh, the sustainability of it. So if you have the few minutes, please do take the time to do that. Um, we lost a legend this week, Ginger Baker, the amazing drummer Ginger Baker passed on that guy if you haven't seen beware of mr baker that documentary highly suggest checking that out so r.i.p to ginger baker and um but we're gonna do this thing we're gonna do episode 183 close talker up there 
from uh, north of the border, Canada. Um, fun to talk to Matt just about how, how the band got together and then talking to him about making their new record and, and um, just their approach, the intention of their approach to making this record I found to be really interesting and it was it was just really cool to get um, some insight on their process and, and I'm hoping that this band makes it down to uh, tour the states in the near future so I can catch a live show, but they've got some records available. They're out there and uh, their newest record, which uh, we talked about on this episode is called How Do We Stay Here? And that's that's been out for a bit now. It's a, it's a really great full length. And uh, that's, that's up on all the streaming services and uh, they also have a couple records that precede that. So if you dig what you hear, make sure that you uh, that you follow this band on on their Instagram and and uh, maybe give them a follow if you listen on Spotify or iTunes. You know, just give them those those extra listens are a great way to uh, show your support for bands or just giving people that follow. Uh, a lot of things are free now in the music world, so uh, show some love by giving them the follow and that that extra play on their uh, their streaming services. I will put all the links in the episode notes so you can follow along with Close Talker if you, uh, if you dig what you hear. And if you want to follow the Dan Cable Presents podcast, that will those links will uh, be up there as well. I want to thank Sarah for, uh, for linking me up with this chat and uh, many others in the past. And we're going to do the damn thing. We've got... Episode 183 with Close Talker kicking it off with a track off of their How Do We Stay Here record, one of my favorite jams on the album. And uh, this song is called The Change It Brings. Let's do the damn thing.
to uh you ready to get into this thing matt yeah i am i am prepared awesome well i'm uh i'm stoked to talk to you about the close talker tunes um i've been going deep on the uh the existing catalog and um i know you guys come from saskatoon canada up there in the yeah in the hockey country yeah yeah well said (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, I, I know it's you guys have been making music for a pretty good chunk of time now, um, and mm-hmm. the band seems like it's definitely evolved since that that first full <laughs> length of uh, of Timbers. So, yeah. talk to me about how Close Talker uh, got going. Sure. Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of the 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 origin story. So, yeah, as you mentioned, we have evolved quite a bit since since our beginnings which it was kind of a peculiar start so basically a mutual friend of all of ours was getting married and he knew us all kind of from different contexts and was like hey i want a dance band at my wedding you guys all play music you guys should get together and form one so as you do when people get married you politely say yes no matter what the request and so we got together and we probably had like honestly like maybe like 40 minutes worth of material of like some covers and just random stuff. And then we ended up stretching it out to like two hours and we played like taking care of business or sweet home Alabama for like 15 minutes. <laughs> and then later like did them again, just because <laughs> towards the end of the night, it was a dry wedding, but there was, there was some not so dry people there. So it, that was helpful. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically we had like so much fun doing this kind of off the cuff wedding dance band, one off show that we thought, Hey, that was fun. We should like get together and jam and, do, do an open mic or something like that. And then, yeah, that was, that was sort of the catalyst that got us together in the same room. And then Will, Chris and myself, Matt, we had like, we've known each other and grown up together and, and have like kind of overlapped musically here or there. But that was sort of the catalyst that started what is now post hockey. And then our first record, as you had mentioned, Timbers, that was just like literally the first eight songs we wrote. We just got together between semesters of school and, recorded them at Christmas and, and it was just like very just raw instinct like get it in the computer and then a few months later put it out like there was not a lot of like premeditated thought but I think that's in part why it was a little bit charming and then since then we've grown and gotten like 
very, very intentional and maybe too meticulous about every little detail. <laughs> <laughs> um, did did the three of you, um, you, Will, and Chris, hit it off like from the get-go? Yeah, yeah. So Chris, our, the drummer, Christopher and I, we grew up one block apart. So we have known each other since kindergarten and we used to like meet at the corner and bike up the hill to school together. So we've, we've been like really close buddies forever. And then actually we kind of started picking up instruments around the same time. So he started playing drums around grade seven and I, I started picking up guitar around grade seven. I played piano before, but my mom and I just fought relentlessly. So then I picked up guitar and it was my idea. So I thought it was cool. And then, um, and I would actually like fill my wagon with like guitar gear and go over to his house and we would jam as like, as like prepubescent rock and rollers. So we, we've been playing music together for ages. And then Will and I met and likewise, Chris and Will met a little bit later. Um, Chris, uh, Will's older sister and my older brother were friends. So, I mean, Saskatoon is, is small. Like we're, we're only 250,000 people in the city. However, we do operate like a small town. Like everyone knows everyone. It's still pretty cozy. Um, so anyway, our older siblings were friends and they were like, Hey, you play guitar, you play guitar. Naturally you should be friends. And the truth is Will and I, uh, well, I guess maybe it's just one way. I didn't particularly like Will out of the gate because we were like 13 when we met and he threw a football kind of funny and I was pretty shallow at that time <laughs> in my life. So I was like, I was like, man, who, who the heck is this guy? Like he, he threw kind of sidearm. So as a 13 year old, I was like, man, that's, that might be a deal breaker. But then we picked up guitars and we jammed and I was like, okay, I do like him. Uh, fast forward 10 years and, and uh, <laughs> now we're in close talker and we spend most waking hours together and tour together and live in a van and all, all the glorious things that go with playing in a band. Dude, that is, that is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a rocky, it was a rocky start. So when you <laughs> asked to be hit it off, the answer is yes, but it, it could have gone either way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that must be wild for you guys since you've all known each other since you were kids to be now, you know, tra mm -hmm. traveling the world in, in some cases, playing in this rock mm -hmm. and roll band. Um, yeah, is, is it is it kind of wild to look back on that much time spent and where you're at now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of twofold. It's, it's, it's kind of half wild and half, like, daunting that, like, man, we've known each other like forever and there's there's no stone unturned like we know each other's smells and we know like we know everything <laughs> so it's it's uh, definitely like it's comforting because like music can like not to get too arty but it can be kind of a vulnerable pursuit so like to to do that with your two best friends to do something artistic and to take risks and to as i said like scrutinize over details like it's it's uh it can be taxing at times. So to do it alongside your two best friends is, is pretty, pretty relieving um, to say the least. And then pretty special. And like, like for us, like we've, we've kind of skipped the whole bickering married couple stage. Like we, we definitely all like assume the best in one another. So even if someone doesn't articulate themselves flawlessly, like we know what they mean and we, we know they mean well and et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, we kind of like, we're very efficient in that sense. Like we, if someone accidentally like slips up or, or, or says something like not super gracious, um, we sort of like skip the whole fight and we're like, Oh, well I knew what they meant. So I'm not going to hold it against them. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to explain, but anyway, we're like, 
we're, we're definitely like in that brotherly realm of like the default is we love each other and, and therefore the details are, are kind of menial. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's, that's a pretty, uh, next level of, of understanding you all must have amongst yeah. you to kind of have that mentality that, you know, every, like, totally. it's probably nobody's intention to actually upset anyone, but it's going to happen exactly. uh, yeah. amongst people, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah. You have three, three adults, uh, living together in close quarters and then four when we tour with our, our audio engineer. Um, it gets cozy fast, but again, like it's, it's nice in a tour context because there's just, there's so much overlap and shared goals that like, we're all trying to achieve the same thing. We're all doing our very, very best to do that. And then if we go about it slightly different, we're not going to like hold that against each other. So yeah, we're, there's definitely like a brotherly camaraderie and, um, yeah, it's, I, I would, I can say with, with sincerity that I probably wouldn't be in a band with any other people. Like they're, they're, uh, they're my best. I'm not going to get all emotional, but they're, they're my best friends. And that's, that's helpful when it comes to being, being creative and vulnerable and, and then just naturally just proximity with, with being in a band with people. Yeah. And, and contri- like just having something that's something sustainable. It's, uh, yeah, it's very helpful to be around folks that you really believe in and, and trust and, and want to be around. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Was was the project really collaborative from from the beginning of the song? Like once you guys got going and it, and the pursuit became mm-hmm. a little more serious, was it pretty collaborative from the get go as far as the songwriting? Yeah, for the most part. Like the our again, like our first couple of years of the band were a little bit unorthodox because Will and myself lived in British Columbia, so just north of you guys, and then Chris and our bass player at the time, Germs lived in Saskatchewan. So while we were studying and doing our undergrads, we were, it was kind of a coastal service narrative. Like we would send iPhone recordings back and forth, but Will and I did a little bit more of the primary songwriting in those early days. But then when we finally were all situated in Saskatoon and that became home base and we started taking it more serious, we definitely all like write primarily in the same room and it's very like call and response. So it's very instinctual and kind of raw. So we don't like overthink anything out of the gate. We kind of save that for later. So someone will just start playing something and the other guys will just respond with whatever happens. And usually lyrics are kind of pieced together later, but like the melodies and the chord progressions and, and all the rhythms and stuff are kind of, kind of massaged out in those early days. And, and most of the time our, our first instincts are usually what's best. Sometimes we'll do like, we'll go down the rabbit hole and do a whole lap and then come back to the start and be like, Oh Yeah we should have just stuck with that kind of thing. Um, and then other times like the, the pursuit is worth it and we chased it in a completely different direction than what we initially thought. But all this to say, we do write for the most part, the music and like the composition in the same room. And then the, the lyrics are usually peppered in after the fact. And again, and even there it's like pretty collaborative. So Will is our singer. So he primarily does the lyrics cause he has to sing them every night. But Chris and I are very, very involved. And I think, um, Another step that kind of pushed us in a more serious direction where we started collaborating more and we started taking everything a little bit more serious is we went from a four-piece to a three-piece in the summer of 2015. And there's no, like, mushy, gushy story there. Our bass player is just quite a bit older than us, and he had, like, a real adult job, and it just became more and more difficult for him to take off time to tour. So he 
finally kind of just called it and was like, sorry, fellas, I'm, I'm too busy. And then instead of trying to replace him, which he was an irreplaceable void, we decided to go the three-piece route. And, um, and Chris, Will, and myself were always kind of the most um, vocal and maybe artistically invested. So it kind of, it kind of worked out anyhow that we were, we were all kind of primarily the, the writers anyway. Germs, um, Germs, who's a phenomenal bass player, he was always a little bit more artistically passive. So as far as um, the writing went, it wasn't too, too big of a loss, but we just missed him socially and like we still hang out all the time so it's, it's, it's totally it's totally fun to, to chat about him and and uh talk about old tour stories and stuff because he literally lives like five blocks away from me and we see him very very often yeah it's it's really impressive uh how much sound y'all are able to put out as a three-piece and mm-hmm. i think it's really creates a very engaging experience from like the audience perspective just to see you all like you and you know you and will kind of jumping back between guitars and keys and and things of yeah. like that i think that's really engaging to watch totally yeah i mean it's it's kind of it's it kind of has worked out that way so like the people the keeners in the front rows that are seeing all the the details i think they they're rewarded for for their focus um but honestly, like just like musically speaking, it just kind of came out of necessity. So yeah, as you mentioned, like Will and I both play guitars and keys, and then Chris has like uh, SPDX for some different drum sounds and a couple really really short samples and things. And then I actually also play the bass with my feet. I have like bass pedals oh, all that right. I'm playing. So there's yeah, there's definitely like a lot going on. So if you're in the front row at one of our shows, there's 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 things to watch, I guess I should say. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was always important for us as a band, like in a live context. We didn't want to become a space bar band, so we've never played the tracks or anything like that or click. And like, we still wanted to keep kind of the the magic of live music and and um, you know the the not every single show is identical kind of vibe. So we we it was important for us to perform everything. So that's why we're all doing like triple duty is uh and and maybe it's in vain and you know in these modern times there's so many bands that like the singers just singing along to like 10 other vocal tracks and sometimes the audience cares oftentimes they don't and that kind of breaks my heart but for us we really care as a band and i think our audience is more the type that you know hopefully cares about those types of things and is willing to buy the vinyl record because they care about that and yeah, absolutely. you know, like I, I think our our music, yeah, our music is definitely more intentional. So I think our crowd kind of follows suit. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm way into it, man. And just like I said, I, I just think it makes for a really exciting viewing experience um, for that live show when you see, you know, the musicians on stage kind of jumping around to different things and and trying to figure out where this wall of sound is coming from from just these three people yeah. on stage, you know and totally totally i got to imagine that forces uh out like some a different kind of creativity when you when you only have three members to work with and whatnot yeah yeah it's kind of fun so like in, in the studio context we kind of throw it all to the wind and we just cater to the song and we'll just do whatever we feel it needs but then when it comes to like prepare our live show for a tour so for example our new record how do we stay here? Like we were deep down the rabbit hole when we uh, created it. And that was like a beautiful experience. And then we were like, shoot, we need to, 
like, man, we need to learn how to play this live. So that was like a fun learning curve too, to be like, okay, who's going to do what? Because we, we have no like ego when it comes to like, Oh man, I want to play the guitar hook or anything like that. Like we, it doesn't matter who plays it. We just want to get the sounds out to the audience in the most meaningful way. And, um, and that obviously for us means performing them live. So it's interesting kind of like giving up part <laughs> when we're trying to figure out how to play it live. So that's, that's been a fun experience. We, we just did a tour. Um, so our record came out like a couple of weeks ago, but prior to it coming out, we did this, this really special tour and we played our new record from front to back, uh, in cities across Canada. So it was kind of like a listening party, but it was also a concert because we were performing it live. And then I'm not sure if you had plans to talk about this, but we, we did a, a tour that was honestly like the first of its kind. So it was a silent headphone tour, which has been done before. But what was unique about it was it, it was a 360 3D binaural silent headphone tour, which is a mouthful. So we called it Immersion. And it used like virtual reality technology and audio and basically put the audience in the middle of the music. And so the instruments were all around them and we were able to like orbit them and process it live in real time. And long story short, it was super nerdy and super fun. And I think the audience um, was picking up what we were putting down. And like, it was really, really meaningful and special for us to just perform a new record in this kind of like uninterrupted, intentional fashion. Yeah, man. I, I was, uh, I, I definitely had intention of asking you about that. So you're, you're, okay. you're a pro, Matt. You're, you know, you're leading, you're leading me right into the, the places I want to be. And, uh, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. I, I'm just excited about it. So it doesn't take much to prompt, prompt me talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was checking out. There's a, there's a trailer that you guys had put out kind of in, in promotion for that tour. And I got yeah. to just just even checking that out made me very intrigued for what that ex, that experience must have been like, and I just think that's so yeah. cool. Like, there's all of this new technology, so it's exciting to see how bands are, um, you know, trying to use that in different ways. Yeah, totally. That was exactly our goal. It was like, hey, it was kind of like a race to space for us because we thought, like, man, someone's going to do this. We we better try and. Um, uh, and so like a little bit of a selfish desire to just kind of want to like beat people to the punch, but it quickly like grew beyond that in meaning and, and, and in depth and like became this really special thing. That's like, man, I would love for there to be like a silent headphone venue in every city across North America. Like when I think of like bands, I love, like I would love to see them in that context. Cause it's cool because you, you can't talk during the performance. Like if you take off your headphones, it's dead silent. Like we bypass the speakers to our amps. We had everything, so it was like really eerie and weird. So if you just like worked at the venue and didn't have headphones, you would just see like a bunch of people like kind of swaying silently. It was very strange and cultish. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but it was it was like really cool that um, at the end of the show because no one had had really like digested what happened. Like everyone kind of had a twinkle in their eye that like, wow, we were we were all in on something special. And then it was also cool because no one knew the songs yet, so. Um, for us, like on the one hand, there's a little bit of grace there that people don't know the songs yet, but we really did try to do the album justice and play it note for note. And then, um, but again, they're hearing every little nuance because everything's under the microscope and close mic'd and they're hearing every little inflection and note between the notes. And so in that setting, it was like a really healthy pressure for us as a band to be like, man, we, we better show up and play. Like all these people are listening with <laughs> headphones uninterrupted. They're all just like sitting there sober like it's it's all the things that you can get frustrated about 
at a live show of like loud people talking or spilling drinks on you and all, all the things that can hinder an experience, we kind of like ironed those out of this experience. So it was just like us and the music and we really had to like practice what we preach and, and lean into it because it was really kind of a unique experience as a performer. Cause usually you like feed off the crowd, but this was like a very controlled, much more like stoic setting. So that was interesting for us. It was like essentially like a rock band to like play these more introspective songs and like try to connect with people just via the music, not, not, Oh, how, how wiggly can I be on stage and try to like solicit enthusiasm? This was like just the music front and center like that. That's all we were banking on. So that was kind of special. Yeah, that's super rad. And I, I think that must be a great experience for the listener, especially with something like your guys's music that has so much texture to it. I think like the headphone yeah. experience, I mean, listening to your new record, how do we stay here? I've, mostly only listen to it in headphones i've listened to some speakers too but i've had like the pleasure of of that headphone experience most of the time which is great because there is so much going on in the production so yeah yeah i'm i don't know i think that's very very cool and like ambitious that you guys decided to do a tour like that to promote a new record you know yeah we we were pretty thrilled with the outcome like it was it was definitely ambitious. Like it took us 18 months. Like we were working on it. So to see it finally come to fruition and like all the, all the hard work and kind of like a duck on water, like the, we appeared quietly working away on our new record, but in in truth, we were like on the phone hustling and, and like the software company that we worked with, it was still in like beta testing, but they're from France that did the 3d elements. And then we connected with Avid who that's like the company that makes pro tools and, all, all these moving parts. And I was just like on the phone hustling because it was for a long time, it was a hypothetical. So I was like, Hey, we have this idea. It's untested. It's unproven. It's high risk. Do you want in? <laughs> so it was like, it was a tough sell, but, yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. And like people, people kind of understood and, and, and had a little bit of faith. So we were, we were thankful that it, it all came together. And like, again, like in part to promote the record, but also, as like it, it stemmed from this this desire to have a listening party for the new record, so it ended up being like the coolest listening party we could have, have dreamt up. Absolutely, man. Well, let's uh, yeah. let's jump into a, a track off the off the new record. Um, okay. This is this is a, a song called Wait, which I guess is Wait's kind of like the first full track on the record, as that that first one's kind of like a bookend, little an introduction to the yeah to how do we stay here totally yeah the first track is kind of just like setting the tone it's like a two and a half minute like stop what you're doing just relax and then wait it's finally like the full drums enter so to speak right on well this is uh this is close talker this is wait i need to witness my defining
right, so so this new record, How Do We Stay Here, seems to be the most focused record that the band has put out thus far. Is that is that fair to say? Totally fair. Yeah, we we really set out um, with with the goal in mind to make a record. Like in past, I think our our albums have been kind of a collection of songs and and sort of some some instincts, but kind of floundering left and right. And I think to be totally honest, I think we took into account what we thought people thought a little too much. And I think that carried a little too much weight. So this album was like, we hold up in a basement in Saskatchewan in the dead of winter, which for those who don't know, is it's the best place to be in the dead of winter because you can't go outside. So you're kind of forced to be creative. And so we, we did that and we, we, we talked a lot about what we wanted the record to sound like and how we wanted it to make us feel and like, which, emotions we kind of wanted to tap into so it was definitely focused from the get-go and it's not it's not necessarily a concept album per se but all the songs are kind of related and and wrestle with this idea of time and how like it's the universal currency no one is unaffected by it and and how has it affected us personally individually and as as a band and all these things it kind of bounces around um and then also something kind of interesting we had in the studio that sort of was our, our guide was we, we drew up this like 10 commandments, which to talk about, it just, there's no way I can talk about it and make it sound cool. It's, <laughs> it was just kind of, it was just kind of this dorky thing. We had this whiteboard and we, and, it, and a lot of them are like cliches, but it was like, you know, protect the pleasant or have no ego. And we, we had all these 10 commandments up there and we kind of filtered every decision through there. So even if I was like, working on a, on a guitar part all morning and I laid it down like, you know, while someone was having breakfast or something and then the guys come down and they're like, oh, and it's not right for the song. Again, like kind of how we started this podcast, I would skip being offended and I would quickly go to, okay, what does it need? What Let's, let's keep chasing it kind of thing. So things like having no ego, that was helpful, especially like we're all so heavily invested. But again, we, we assume the best in one another and know that we all have what's best for the song and the album in mind. So we, there's like so much trust there that we um, were able to just kind of remove ourselves. And and um, I don't know, it sounds like we have this never-ending integrity, but like um, we were really like cautious how we approach things. And one, another, um, you know, like just like simple things, like if you get stuck, move on, like focus on what you know kind of things and just keeping keeping everything really fluid and moving forward we didn't want to like get stuck on one thing so we had this 10 commandments that we drew up and that was something that we like fell back on a lot or that we would refer to if we were having grief and i think it was like ultimately it was like a healthy good thing to have and i think to some degree maybe as we move forward we'll we'll definitely have those like similar conversations before we go into a studio environment and just be like what are we trying to achieve like what's what's the goal here and, and maybe talk about it prior as opposed to stumbling upon it potentially during, which I think our last records, we were kind of banking on that. We didn't necessarily know what we were chasing. Whereas this one, we all like had a very coherent vision. Yeah. I, uh, it's, it's cool that there's that much intent that goes into the project. And I think like, especially with this record, I think that that's very, very much comes through like good i'm glad (laughs) yeah and and i just love that i know you said it's not necessarily a concept record but there are some like 
There are some themes that flow throughout, but there's also just the the seamlessly, you know, woven uh, tracks together and and how it all flows from one song to the next. And yeah, um, yeah, I I just really I appreciate that part of it. Um, did it did it make it difficult to like know when when it was done? Kind of having all those pieces flowing together. Kinda. I mean, like that was that was another thing that we were intentional about. Is we wanted like the A sides, for example, they flow pretty well right into one another. If there is a break between songs, it was like intentional, so you could take a breath. And like, and with that in mind, like we had written the song, and then we would like completely transpose it so that it could fit next to this song or things like that. So like, we definitely sonically kind of felt extra mile to make it feel like a record. Um, and I think. It was it it was definitely like something we were intentional about as to which songs would make the record, and we definitely before we did the sequence and kind of like the final mix, we knew the order of the record and things like that, and we had certain certain songs in mind of like oh this like refuge that's the last song on the record it's got to be it's like scratching that itch of like it's kind of it's probably the most introspective song on the record and definitely very reflective and it ends with the the lyric. Um, always come back to this, which we then later put that into the first song of the record to kind of bookend it and, yeah. and kind of pound, pound home this theme. So th- that lyric actually came from the last song. And then we had the idea of like, Oh, we should have that in the intro um, just quietly as like a secondary thing. Um, so though it's the first thing you hear, it was kind of one of the last things we thought of. <laughs> um, but yeah, all, all this to say we, weren't necessarily struggling knowing when the record was done. I think we all more than any other record had like a total sense of peace that we're like, okay, we did what we said we were going to do. This is it. This is our time capsule for this moment. And I think it's a testament to the record that like all of us, we recorded it like, gosh, over a year and a half ago. And we all are still proud of it. We still like it. Like that usually is like the, the part, about being an artist that's like pulling teeth is you're always excited about the next thing and you're always there's always things in the past like oh i would have changed this i would have changed that and i think this project uh and this album how do we stay here more than more than the others we've had like a sense of peace that like no we that that is exactly what it was supposed to be yeah and i i really dig all the all the instrumental stuff um just the instrumental breaks in the songs like you, you guys just seem to really um, allow some space, and and it seems to kind of create an atmosphere for the for the songs to exist in, and and right. I know it's some something that you've explored on previous records and stuff with like maybe like mm-hmm. jams like Silence One and Two, um, yeah, Flux, but um, like I really love the like wandering. And the lake by the hotel, just those straight instrumental songs. Like the lake by the hotel is, mm-hmm. is, is maybe one of my favorite songs on the record. Like just that short, nice little jam. But um, yeah, I'm glad to hear. Yeah, how important was it to uh, for the band to self produce this record? That that was like one thing we talked about a lot. Like, um, and I think in part just because of how where we were at with our musical maturity in our past records just as a band and and just trying to find a foothold in this weird industry i think 
as I mentioned, like we took into account what other people thought, I think a little too heavily. So perhaps like the pendulum overswung the other way. And, and this one, we were like, no, no one's allowed in the studio. We're holding it close to our chest. Not that we were like <laughs> arrogant about it or anything, but I think we definitely wanted to kind of cut our teeth and like just discern like, Hey, let's just, let's just like literally trap ourselves in the basement us three, like we have so much trust with one another. And I think at this point we've been a band for like five years. And so our, our artistic and creative kind of Venn diagram has overlapped more and more so that we've developed all this trust and we kind of wanted to just test that and be like, let's not take into account outside voices. Let's just trust one another, lean into that. And let's make this record that, um, one of the 10 commandments that we were filtering everything through was, we wanted to make a record that was in our collective top five favorite records of all time, which is a pretty bold, <laughs> <laughs> bold thing to pursue. But like, like for example, like there, there's a couple records that for all three of us that we all like collectively love. So like trouble will find me by the national or in rainbows um, by Radiohead. like these records have like stood the test of time. And we wanted to make a record that we loved the same amount in 10 years as we did when we first recorded it. Like we wanted to kind of do something that was a little more timeless. So we filtered a lot of decisions through that. And even sonically, we're like, you know, like, Oh, let's, we didn't want to find the coolest, most relevant 2019 synth sound. We wanted to do, do like acoustic pianos and roads and, or whirlies and like things that like sound good, no matter what. So like another record that I love is sky blue sky by Wilco. Yeah, but And that record I love because yeah, it could, it could have come out last year or could have come out, in 1998 like it doesn't matter it's it's just kind of its own thing it has a quiet confidence so i think as artists we've always admired other bands like this and i think that we kind of were maybe emotionally ready to be like hey let's make a record that's just like our instincts and something that is timeless for us it doesn't mean it's universally timeless but we want to pursue this idea of like let's not do what we think we should let's do what the song needs and let's provide space and let's not be too sonically obnoxious. One of our rules was protect the pleasant. So, you know, like I didn't want to have crazy shrill guitar parts that I would like love for a bit. And then two years from now, I'll be like, why did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we just, we just wanted to make like a, a really beautiful record and that's what we set out to do. And, and um, I'm still vibing out if we've achieved that, but it is something we're like really proud of and, I am thankful we did that approach and we self-produced. I think it was good for us as a band and I think it was um, good for us as artists and, and just sonically, I'm really happy with how it turned out. I think I think what we were chasing, we, we may have caught. I don't know. I'm still still figuring it out. It's I think it's... Uh, personally, it's my favorite record sonically and, and songs, song for song, for sure. Like out of nice. out of your nice. guys' records, like I I think it sounds really killer. And thanks, uh, man. Me me too. It's my favorite as well. <laughs> <laughs> and and I just like really appreciate your guys' intention for serving the song and and just mm-hmm. you know how that continues to evolve for the three of you. And honestly, mm-hmm. now now I just want to hang out and listen to records with you guys because that's my favorite national record. And that's my favorite. Oh, yeah. And that's my favorite Radiohead record. 
And, oh man, okay. And I'll I'll argue with you that like I'm I'm pretty into Yankee Hotel from Wilco, but Sky Blue Sky is like, yeah. really up there too. Like that's so I the, just wanna... the thing is for me, Sky Blue Sky hit me in stride. So I had to go back and listen to Yankee. Mm. So for me, I think it was in part like that was the record that got me onto Wilco. So it's similar, like like the boxer for national, that was what got me in. High Violet blew me away. And then Trouble Will Find Me was like, okay, this is my favorite album. Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, but man, I, I'm stoked that you like all those records because I'm in good company here. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, in, how important has it been to like implement some of the visuals that you guys have been traveling around with as far as having like the uh, projections? Yeah, that's been cool and like and special for us. So especially this like this immersion tour we did. So the silent 3D 360 binaural headphone concert series. That's why we call it immersion because it's easier. But uh, it was important for us. Like we're the only band on the bill. Like we couldn't exactly have an opener. Like this was so exclusive and like dialed in and very very intentional and detail oriented. So we wanted to like as a band we wanted to celebrate. Like hey. Like we're guests in these cities. There's already talented and a vibrant art scene here. So we wanted, we got a local visual artist in each city and that was really cool for us. So each night was like truly one of a kind. Um, so like for us, we're, we're obviously focused on performing because it's the first time we're playing these songs, but I was so like curious to look at the visuals all night because I wanted to know what was happening. Um, so that was, that was like a, a special experience. And I think that's something that we want to like carry forward if we can, we want to partner with, local visual artists wherever possible and like rub shoulders with them and just like celebrate that they're doing their thing and we're doing our thing and just see how, see how it interacts. And I think that's like fun for the audience too. I mean, in part, like I I think that visuals and lights have become like a a cool part of live music. And I, I'm definitely not opposed. Like I've been to shows that are certainly heightened by those things and, and it's, yeah, it's cool just to, for me, the most exciting part is that like each night is different. So I think that's something that's special to us as a band and something that wherever possible we want to pursue. Yeah, and I think that's that's rad, the idea to kind of collaborate with some different artists in different cities. And like you said, that just kind of creates this this one unique night of like something that yeah. everybody's not going to get to experience again. Totally, totally, yeah. And then likewise, like with our music videos and things, we've always... Uh, something that I joke about that is on brand for us as a band is like doing things that are unnecessarily hard. So if there's, if there's an easy way to go about it, we're going to do the hard way. <laughs> and I don't know why there's no like rhyme or reason. It's not we're like, it's not necessarily like better quality or this or that, but all of our videos we've done like, Oh, let's do something underwater. And then like, just like different weird things. And, and um, so for us, like that visual elements and accompaniment has always been like, something we're really interested in and really invested in and none of us necessarily have like our our finger on the pulse or particularly talented in those areas but i get really excited when we seek out people that are like clearly passionate about their craft and they can they can match us on that level so we're we're audio guys we really we care deeply about that and we'll focus on that and when we meet visual people that are really into their thing it's just like it's just exciting to kind of see the twinkle in their eye and see what happens yeah, I mean, I think that's also you guys kind of, you know, denying egos and stuff too and, and allowing other people into your process that maybe can enhance mm-hmm. it. So, Yeah, totally. 
Um, I know I, I got to let you go and get out of here, but I appreciate your time to, to hang out and talk with me about Close Talker. I've, I've really been enjoying diving into all this, all the tunes and the, the How Do We Stay Here record that, that just came out a couple weeks ago is, is really killer, man. Mm-hmm. And I encourage folks to go check that out on the streaming services or maybe buy one of those, those vinyl copies that are floating around. Yeah. Oh man, well I pre- appreciate you having me and taking the time and indulging and letting me talk quite long-windedly about how much we care about our music. Absolutely, <laughs> man. It. it comes it comes through and like I it's it makes it that much better for me to know how much uh care and intent goes into it and um I uh I'm I'm stoked to uh hopefully get to see y'all sometime when you come come through Portland. And I will put all yeah. The, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can keep up with you guys and put your Instagram awesome. handle in there and whatnot. Um, nice. And also, I love your guys's anti playlist section of your website, which is where you Thanks. feature yeah. like a full length record instead of a playlist. Nice. Um, the original playlist. That's what we're going. That's what we're going for. It's something it's, again we care about. Like we're we're we want to hear it as the artist intended. So that's. That's what we hope for people for our record. So that's what we try to practice, what we preach. Yeah, man. It's a, and it's just like shows another little level of creativity, I think, to like just let people in yeah. to what your process is. So um, nice. that's a good reminder. I need to update that thing. I think it's been on a Frightened Rabbit record for like a month. <laughs> well, you know, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's a good record, though. It's a great yeah, record. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest of the show saying the tagline, which is it's a program. So it's a program there. There he is. Matt's already doing it. He needs no instruction. Oh, I can do it again. I can do it in accents. I can do it however you want. Give it, give us, <laughs> give us another good one. All right. It's a program. <laughs> he nailed it's it. It's a program. <laughs> nice. Okay. He nailed it. Uh, Matt, thank you so oh, much. Sweet. Um, yeah thanks again thanks for having me yeah. I, let me know when this when this goes live like tag us in it and we'll we'll share it around and that's awesome we'll do we'll do and um tell the rest of your bandmates that that i say hello and and thank you okay. uh, thank you so much for for the music yeah man oh honest like sincerely our pleasure right on and we're gonna play it out with uh carefully in the dark which is one of my favorite tracks off of uh off the new record and uh that's the jelly jams everybody we're uh we're playing it out with the tunes and we will catch you on the flip side
It's a program.